from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So you're treading some uncharted territory here. <laughs> Absolutely. Here was the one example of an agricultural biotechnology product that could directly improve the health and well-being of consumers. Help us understand their argument. I mean, this seems like such a win-win. What could they have possibly objected to? I'm Sarah Fenske. Far too many people in the Philippines suffer from vitamin A deficiency. That can lead to a host of health problems, from skin infections to blindness. Golden rice could remedy that deficiency. Plant scientists made a major breakthrough nearly three decades ago in developing this vitamin-rich rice, but they've encountered many hurdles. Last month, they won a big victory in the Philippines, but it follows a long journey. And joining us now to explain more is Donald McKenzie. He's the executive director of the Institute for International Crop Improvement at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center here in Crevecore. Don, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking a lot about golden rice here. What is golden rice? So golden rice is rice that's been um, bioengineered to express beta-carotene in the endosperm tissue in the grain. And beta-carotene is uh, pro-vitamin A. So your body converts uh, beta-carotene into vitamin A. And so golden rice was designed as a complementary tool to help address vitamin A deficiency um, in high-rise-consuming countries such as the Philippines, Bangladesh, and other countries in Southeast Asia. How big a problem is this vitamin A deficiency in these countries that eat a lot of rice? Right. It, it's a problem that uh, back in 2003, uh, about 40% or so of children in the Philippines were suffering from vitamin A deficiency. Um, that number has come down, but it's still on the order of about 20% or so, which means it's still a significant public health concern in the Philippines. And children in Bangladesh and that are suffering even higher rates of vitamin A deficiency. Okay, so this has been a big problem. There's been a lot of people who are really interested in solving it for a very long time. I understand that the Rockefeller Foundation took a real interest in this decades ago. Um, tell us a little bit about how this all got started, the development of this mm -hmm. rice. So golden rice was developed uh, by two scientists in Europe, Ingo Petrikas and Peter Beyer. Um, they worked on um, coming up with the uh, design for golden rice, the, the concept, uh, back in the late 80s and early 1990s and came up with the first uh, um, prototype of golden rice uh, back in uh, around 1999 or so. And some people may or may not remember, but Ingo Petrikas had his uh, picture on the cover of Time magazine in July 2000 uh, with the caption that this rice could save a million children a year. And so since that time, there have been improvements uh, to golden rice, a lot of work that's been done in the Philippines by the International Rice Research Institute to uh, breed the golden rice trait into um, different um, rice varieties and to do a lot of testing of those uh, in the field, both for agronomic performance and also for um, expression of the beta carotene in that. And then, of course, we've had uh, over the past six years or so, had to uh, do a, a lot of safety testing on it to satisfy um, regulatory requirements 
uh, in the Philippines and elsewhere. Safety testing, were they concerned that there could be ill effects from ingesting this, or they were worried about the effect on the ecosystem? Um, all of the above. So um, beta-carotene is well-known, been well-studied, and, and there are no human health concerns from beta-carotene. But nonetheless, this was a, a bioengineered rice. It was genetically engineered. And, and so there were um, concerns um, that the regulators and other had, others had about, uh, well, what new proteins are being produced in this golden rice that aren't present in conventional white rice, and what safety tests have been done on those. And then also from the environmental point of view as well, would uh, cultivating this rice um, lead to any adverse environmental consequences? And so all of those things had to be studied. Has it passed those questions? Uh, does it get an A plus? I think it gets an A plus. Um, so from a food safety point of view, uh, golden rice has been approved for use in food here in the United States by the Food and Drug Administration, um, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Canada, in the Philippines, and now most recently approved for cultivation in the Philippines. So it truly is on the doorstep, if you will, of being able to reach impact. So you said it's been approved for cultivation in the Philippines. This is the big step that, that happened this past month. Before that, they could eat it. They could sell it in the stores. They just couldn't grow it there? Right. So it, we had gone through a, a two-step uh, regulatory re review process, one looking at safety from a, a food and feed perspective, and then secondly, from an environmental perspective. And have many Philippines been able to eat it um, in the time that you're waiting to get the permission to grow it there? Yeah, none, because none had actually been produced for consumption. It was still being uh, trialed in field trials and that to generate data for the environmental review. So are we at a point where now that finally begins to change? I think we're getting really close. <laughs> <laughs> what because kind of timeline are we on here? I mean, there's there's been decades going into this. It's not going to sure. be decades more, is it? It's not, no. Um, but golden rice, like any new rice variety, has to go through a process called variety registration. And so that's a requirement for every rice that's going to be introduced into commerce in the Philippines. And so that's where golden rice is now. So um, we're hopeful that within uh, one more growing season or so, it will have achieved um, variety registration for those first varieties containing the golden rice trait, and that's when it's going to be available for farmers. So you mentioned this Time Magazine cover story. This was back in the year 2000. They're talking about how this could save a million kids a year. That's a huge number. And you think about the six years that it's been in these regulatory approvals and maybe another year more while it gets through this next thing. I mean, are we talking about six million kids maybe lost their life waiting for this to get through the red tape? I wouldn't put it in those terms, not at all. Um, because, um, you know, governments, uh, whether it's the Philippines or Bangladesh or elsewhere, have other programs to deal with vitamin A deficiency. So they do distribute uh, capsules with vitamin A, both to infants and to uh, nursing mothers. Um, there's food fortification programs, mandatory or, or otherwise, that provide micronutrients in the food. So golden rice was never really intended to be the be-all and the end-all, to be the total uh, solution for vitamin A deficiency, but just one of those approaches that in combination with others could solve the problem. So in some ways, journalists are going for a flashy headline. The details are a bit more complicated. That would never happen, would it? <laughs>
<laughs> I cannot speak for my profession here, uh, but yes. Uh, you know, one thing that was interesting to me as I was reading up on this long journey to get to this point is that Greenpeace was in very vocal opposition to this for years. Help us understand their argument. I mean, this seems like such a win-win. What could they have possibly objected to? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is ideological and that. And I think one of the things that we have to remember is that Golden Rice, for better or for worse, uh, was set up as the poster child for biotechnology. Here was the one example of an agricultural biotechnology product that could directly help um, improve the health and well-being uh, of consumers. And so that's where it was positioned. So when you put yourself out there at the lead of the pack, you're going to attract some attention. And that's what Golden Rice did. For, uh, for better or for worse, it, it did attract the attention of Greenpeace and other um, organizations. And some of those organizations are just ideologically opposed um, to genetic engineering. They put it together with uh, other um, confounding factors such as you know, um, centralization, concentration of the food system, corporate so- control of agriculture, and all of those other Um, concerns that people have. So people who are worried about GMOs, this kind of became this poster child where it it was at the center of all that. What's interesting here is that from what I can tell, this is not something where people went into this hoping to make big money or that it's even been derailed by people who are planning to make money off of this. This this is something that seems like some altruism. So this is a humanitarian project and uh, it's funded primarily by uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, has been for many years. Um, golden rice is going to be made available to farmers at a, the same price uh, as conventional rice. Uh, farmers growing golden rice will be able to keep their seed from year to year, so they're not going to be forced to um, buy um, new seed every year. That's one of the complaints that people uh, have often put out there. So it, it is uh, not going to be a, a money-making proposition for anyone for sure. We're talking today to Don McKenzie. He's the executive director of the Institute for International Crop Improvement that's at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center right here in Creve Corps. Don, I want to talk a bit about your role in all this because you played a pretty big role here. You spent a lot of time uh, flying to the Philippines to work on this project. What was your task on this? So before I joined uh, the Danforth Center, I had spent uh, three years working for the International Rice Research Institute based in the Philippines in Los Banos. And my role on the project was to lead the regulatory component of the Golden Rice Project, but also um, the Healthier Rice Project, which includes uh, rice with elevated levels of iron and zinc. And so that's a role that I've continued after moving to the Danforth Center. And so, yes, uh, spent a lot of uh, hours in planes and a lot of time away um, in the Philippines, but also in Bangladesh um, helping the project. So some of us complain about how hard it is to get anything done, even at like St. Louis City Hall, like trying to get a stop sign put up can become a major ordeal. What goes into trying to get regulatory approvals when you're dealing with something this complicated and you're doing it in a country that you're not native to? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a team sport. And so it's not just any one individual. It is the full team of people working at Erie, but also at Phil Rice as well. working together to help put together um, the uh, regulatory applications, do the studies, um, deal with the questions and concerns that come back uh, from the regulatory agencies and prepare the answers to them. And more than anything else, um, you need perseverance. 
perseverance. Does it help that you also have a science background? Well, it certainly does, yes. I mean, that way you can answer these questions. You don't have to then send it to the scientists, wait for their answers. Correct, yeah. Is perseverance something that you'd cultivated in your science career? Did you have to really take that on once you moved to the regulatory side? I think that's something you, uh, you learn as you take on the regulatory role in that. And, you know, I think we have to remember that uh, for any um, biotechnology crop or genetically engineered crop, um, the estimates are that it takes on average 13 years to move from proof of concept to being able to deliver something into the hands of farmers. So the story of golden rice and the time it's taken is not really an unusual one. Man, it seems like such a long time from the outside looking in, but I appreciate your patience and, and yeah, that perseverance. It's funny because you've had a really big summer for somebody who works on things that are so sort of slow moving and you have to be patient. You also led the regulatory side of getting preliminary approvals for disease-resistant cassava in Kenya, and that had some success this summer as well. Tell us what you've been working on on that. Sure. So that's... Um Cassava that's uh, been uh, bioengineered to be resistant to cassava brown streak virus. That's technology uh, that uh, was developed at the Danforth Center uh, by Nigel Taylor and his lab. And uh, we work collaboratively with uh, the National Agricultural Research Institutes in uh, Kenya and in Uganda on that. Um, that approval for environmental release uh, of the virus-resistant cassava is only the second environmental release approval of a bioengineered food crop in Kenya. The other one being uh, BT maize, or BT corn, which was approved for environmental release back in 2016, uh, but still is not in the hands of farmers. Hmm. What's holding but, that one up? Um, having to go through um, environmental impact assessments, uh, national performance trials, and variety registration. So even with the cassava, now that we're in this position, uh, we're not all the way there yet. And we have a, a couple of seasons left of having to do the trials and get through variety registration before it's going to be in the hands of farmers. Wow. So you're treading some uncharted territory <laughs> here. Absolutely. Um, you know, hearing about this work, we hear from a lot of people who are very concerned about GMOs, and they feel like this is a bad thing for mankind for some of the reasons, as we were talking about mm -hmm. Greenpeace's opposition that we talked about earlier. This is something that, that you see some utility in. You see, a, you see a different side of this. Help make the case for what plant science and, and this kind of modification can do. So firstly, uh, it, we have to you know, remember that um, this technology in general, biotechnology and agriculture, ha has been in commercial use for 25 years already. Um, we have products such as BT corn and soybean and cotton and canola that are grown on hundreds of millions of acres around the world. Um, the technology has been well studied and it's safe, uh, without a doubt. The technology can make a huge difference in, in the livelihoods of farmers and particularly as we're facing, you know, the challenges of, of climate change, um, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal of eradicating hunger, uh, reducing uh, food insecurity, improving nutritional security, and doing that by 2030, only nine harvests away. Wow. And unfortunately, Sobering. the number of, of people going to bed hungry every night is on the increase, not on the decrease. And it has been on the increase since 2015. And the situation with the COVID pandemic has not made things easier. It's made things even worse. So this kind of technology really has potential to both improve the nutritional quality of food, such as the golden rice product, but also to improve resilience in that 
to uh, improve our productivity and yield resistance to diseases and pests. So these things that, that some people are afraid of, in the wrong hands, there's certainly ways this could go bad, but you see a huge upside here. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Don McKenzie, I want to thank you for joining us today and, and sharing about this journey. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.